0: Very dangerous. You go first.
1: Episode 69.
0: The move with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes, 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I pissed my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so.
1: It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in ten minutes.
0: Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have thirty minutes to move your car. Move your car. You have thirty minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. We're easy like Sunday morning.
1: And now here are your hosts, Brad Milo and Frank A. Rincon. Released in 1981. Directed by Steven Spielberg and starring Harrison Ford, Raiders of the Lost Ark became a quick favorite of mine. Um,
0: budgeted at $18 million. Can you believe that, Brad? $18 million? No, it didn't. Uh, didn't I mean, again, it was 1981, but that didn't seem like near enough. Money. It,
1: no, it it doesn't. And according to the notes I can find on DCBS, it looks like it grossed worldwide. Oh, I lost my notes on DCBS. You found notes? <laughs> <laughs> yes, IMDb. DCBS has so much wonderful on IMDb. Wonderful IMDb. Um, three hundred
0: eighty-four million dollars. Welcome to the Raiders of the Lost Ark. the The long-awaited Raiders of the Lost Ark episode. Yes,
1: we are running behind on this. Uh, and due to lack of organization, especially on my part, uh, uh, it's just going to be Brad and I today. <laughs> but before we go any further, let's talk about our sponsor, Brad.
0: InStockTrades.com.
1: Sorry. Yeah, save up to 35% on trades. And over 50 bucks, you get free shipping, right?
0: Yes, I love this website. I, uh, I purchase much too much from it, actually.
1: And you know what Brad and I used to do when we were working together is a lot of times, you know, you may not fifty dollars may be out of your budget range, but Brad and I used to split an order at times, maybe even get a third person and uh Austin we used easily
0: to order on occasion or Randy Hunt.
1: Yeah, and and we would get way over fifty bucks on that and, and we got our free shipping.
0: <clears throat> at my new job I got um Todd and uh-huh. this guy named Drew to go in on an order with me. We got fifty bucks easily. Yeah, so that's something you do, have them delivered to your job and uh very easy to do. They got some great stuff. In fact, in their top sellers this week, the number three top seller, Daredevil Trade Paperback Volume 2, Hell to Pay, uh-huh. um, I'm going to purchase that. I'm getting all the Daredevil stuff in trades because I um, have started following it since uh, Bendis started writing it, so I'm uh, continuing to read it, and now it's in trade form that I'm reading it. Also, I'm going to pick up the, uh, oh, that was... Uh, uh, Cover price fifteen ninety nine. You can get it through in stock trades at ten dollars and seven cents. Wow, quite a bargain. And because of several things, a couple of things, I'm going to get the Deadpool Classic Trade Paperback Volume One. Normally thirty dollar cover price in stock trades is eighteen eighty nine. The the character uh, Deadpool and Dare is getting a. <laughs> Is gonna have a new. On, is coming back in a new ongoing series. Uh, he recently was in a arc of Wolverine Origins, and I liked what I read. I liked the character. He he's kind of crazy. Uh-huh. So, I think I'm gonna start picking up the uh, the new Deadpool series because Daniel Way's writing it and Steve Dillon's drawing it. Cool. Who did the Who does uh, Wolverine Origins? So, I liked what I read. And apparently it'll be more of what I read. So I figured the Deadpool Classic Trade Paperback Volume 1 will be a good primer for that. Okay. Uh, go to instocktrades.com, up to 40% off major publishers. You can track your orders online. Uh, and monthly specials up to 75% off.
1: How can you beat that?
0: Yeah, Actually, the 75% off thing is the DCBS. Instocktrades and DCBS, sister websites, owned by the same people. Same quality. Yeah, either one you're not gonna you're not gonna be wasting your money going with either of these places to buy your comics
1: so we're gonna do the indie show here Indiana Jones and
0: Raiders of the lost art you know what's interesting is that when they re-released well not re-released when they finally released the DVD versions of these movies right on the cover of the DVD anyway it um, was retitled. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's still, you know, when the opening titles come up in the movie itself, it still says Raiders of the Lost Ark, but they've, I guess, uh, you know, Lucas decided to market this as a franchise now.
1: Well, I, I'm I'm sure they didn't anticipate this type of uh, reaction to it. And, and of course, so the second they,
0: two movies had Indiana Jones in the title. So, right. you know, all they had to do was just change the, the, uh, what do they call that the marketing, the visual represent the visual right. presentation of the, you know the DVDs and stuff like that. And
1: they so. do that to the books and the comic sure. books too. And you know, Brad, kind of a funny aside. I don't think I've ever told you this story. So, um, as you know, Half Hour Wasted had another incarnation. Yeah. It, it was uh, it was a video pro a video show that I used to do with some friends back in Corpus Christi. We actually talked
0: Christi. about this. I think even in episode one. Yeah. We mentioned this.
1: And the reason why I bring it up now is that uh, a friend and I had a two-part series that was based on Indiana Jones. It was Monterey Jack and Enchilada Azul Presents. <laughs> Monterey Jack was the uh, Indiana Jones type. Enchilada Azul was a French scientist from Mexico, which that was my part.
0: A French guy from Mexico? Yes. <laughs>
1: nice. And um, the, uh, in our first adventure, um, we had the – We had to fight uh, Dr. Uh, Vanden (laughs) I can't remember. Oh, Monterey Jack and Enchilada Azul in search of the pretty shiny sparkly thing.
0: Stupid. (laughs) The pretty shiny sparkly thing.
1: Yes. And the second installment was Monterey Jack and Enchilada Azul um, uh, fearless vampire hunters. Hilarious. And... And and that one was Vampires and Time Traveling and stuff and, and uh pretty I I was pretty proud of it. And we we the second one ended with um with a little preview of what was gonna happen in the third one, which never got made, but
0: but uh you know, we were pretty proud of it. So it was actually did you get to wear the fedora and all that stuff? Well I
1: didn't wear the fedora, I was a French guy. So oh, I wore a uh, I wore a beret and a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs>
0: Kind of like, kind of like kind today. Like. <laughs> kind of like today.
1: Yes, I was kind of like, I was kind of like a nice Bellock from uh Bellock. From, Belloc from Return of the Jedi. But Return um, of the Jedi. God, I just can't get anything right right now. Okay, uh, Raiders. Anyway, um, you said you had some uh, kind of some funny or interesting tidbits about it, Brad.
0: I just, you know, I culled some information from uh, Internet Movie Database mm-hmm. <clears throat> to talk about the movie a little bit uh released on June the 12th, 1981. Is The Sun? Yes. It was originally intended as a small low budget picture, uh but production costs tripled. Here it says to 22 million. Goodness. But what you said about it 18, either way, mm-hmm. 20 million bucks. Yeah. It seems like this movie would have cost a lot more. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much the uh Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is. Oh my gosh. Could only what, imagine. What its budget it's going to be. Of course there's a lot of more a lot more CG mm-hmm. involved nowadays, which of course, skyrockets the 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 price. It was 1981's biggest grossing film. Uh, opening weekend <clears throat> back then on 1,078 screens, it made in one weekend it made 8.3 million dollars. Wow! And eight in uh, 1981 money, I assume that's a lot. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um. Yeah, accounting for inflation and stuff like that. Did you happen to
1: see who was originally tagged to play uh, Indiana Jones? Do you have that information? I, uh,
0: I don't. You tell me. I, I, um, need, to, I need to pull it up. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck, that's right.
1: And he was. it, it was going to happen, but CBS said no. He's in a signed contract with us to do a program called Magnum PI. And so they wouldn't release him out of that deal. So we could have had a i think Tom Selleck would have been – would have been good. It would have been interesting. Would have been a different take. But I think he would be been just as good, just as interesting.
0: <clears throat> I believe, if our memory serves, that they actually they actually ended up um, on Magnum PI doing a Raiders of the Lost Ark type. Oh, really? Type I was never
1: um, a fan of that show, so I've never
0: seen it. My mom watched it. She she always said if Tom Selleck showed up at her front door uh-huh. and said, "Come with me," she would have left. Boom in a heartbeat that and if aliens came down and landed in the backyard and mm-hmm. they said, Come get on our ship go fly with us she would have been like all right see you guys later I'm going up okay yeah so so your mom would have taken off at the drop <laughs> she went to get away from you guys just I guess I don't know um oh here it is right here on the on the uh, internet movie database uh, Magnum did an episode that parodied Raiders complete with hat whip booby traps etc
1: um so when so what's your first how do you remember watching this movie? Do you remember, were you excited about the buzz of the movie? Um, I, did you just walk
0: into the theater and go see it? I don't remember seeing this in the movie theater. Oh, really? I know I did, uh-huh. but I, I, the memory I have of an Indiana Jones movie, huh, and oddly enough, it involves a girl again, uh-huh. um, was Temple of Doom. I remember going to see the movie with a, a friend, uh, a family that was friends with us. Right. right. Um, and I had a crush on the daughter. Uh-huh. But this movie, uh, Temple of Doom, was was like enough to keep my attention. Whereas Star Wars, when I was little, I was more interested in the girl I was, right, that right, was right, there. Right. But I don't remember Raiders of the Lost Ark in the movie theater. Um, 1981, that means I was 12 years old. I just don't remember it. I remember, I mean, I've always liked it. Yeah. And of course, I probably you know I saw it on VHS several times after that, but I actually don't remember being in the movie theater watching it.
1: You know what's funny, Brad, is prior to you know for us getting ready for this, I watched I watched this on VHS. You did, yeah. Uh, uh, little Nancy, my my friend, she lent it to me because I don't have the DVDs, believe it or not, and so uh, little Nancy uh, uh lent me her VHS copies. Um. Anyway, um. I it played at the Mann Theater in Corpus Christi. It must have been in the theater for 4 months, if not longer. And it was a and it was a two-screen theater too, and one of them always had Raiders.
0: Always. Really? Yeah. Well, interesting you, you you say always. In my studies, I found out that <clears throat> that it was re-released twice. Really? Yeah, where did that information go? Uh apparently I it didn't make it into my my file, my um my uh, information file. Oh, I'll find it. Keep talking.
1: I just remember really um, being enthralled in this movie. I mean, you know, as a kid, you you love this this kind of stuff: the adventure, the whip, the jumping around, the getting dirty, the, the jumping in dirt, and and you know the the skin of your teeth. Um, rescue and while in some movies that can come across as very you know cliche and stuff for some reason it worked in this movie and i think it was the format of the movie the um the homage to the the serials of of the 1930s and 40s which by the way i was a fan of and you're probably asking frank you weren't alive back then how did you enjoy those Mm -hmm. well in corpus christi on the public tv channel they had a program called uh, Night at the Bijou, and it's played every weekend, and I used to watch it every Sunday, and it always started off with a newsreel. I mean, it was just like going to the movies, and then they would show one of those five to ten minute serial, serial adventures, and it always ended with a cliffhanger, and then you'd have to watch next week to see what happened, and then the feature would usually come on, and I usually wasn't interested in that. But I can remember always watching the first 10, 15, 20 minutes of, of Night at the Bijou, And, uh, just being really excited about that. And there were swashbucklers like this. There were, you know, I can remember there was one about that took place in space. There was another one that took place, uh, in the old West. Are those good, Brad? Could you be a
0: little more discreet? Well, we're at the movies, so I'm, I'm opening, (laughs) I'm opening my snacks.
1: But so when this came on, I got really excited because I, I somewhat related to what was going on and, and, and and how, and how it fit into the scheme of things. Um... I'm going to make you talk with your mouth. June Bob's always complaining about how I'm not eating while we're recording. <laughs> well, let's talk about the character. Before yeah. we get into the movie, before we get into the story, let's talk about some of the characters. Here. I
0: found that information I was looking okay. for. Apparently, it was re-released in July of 1982 and March of 1983. Wow. So. So, Indiana Jones. I still have some more background information. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. All right.
1: If it's not just release dates. No. <laughs> we did wait a long time for the I'm to find sorry. out. It was.
0: I don't even remember why we were talking about release dates. Um, I found a nice summary of the film. It's okay. Like if I was to explain to somebody what this movie was about. Okay. The year is 1936. A professor who studies archaeology named Indiana Jones is venturing in the jungles in South America searching for a golden statue. Unfortunately, he sets off a deadly trap. Doing so, miraculously, he escapes. Then Jones hears... From a museum curator named Marcus Brody about a biblical artifact called the Ark of the Covenant, which can hold the key to humanly existence. Jones has to venture past places such as Nepal and Egypt to find this artifact. However, he will have to fight his enemy, Rene Belloc, and a band of Nazis in order to reach it. I mean, that's pretty basic. Yeah. You know, what, what this movie is about. And uh, that that sums it up nicely. He had to fight Nazis. Yeah. You well, should never go wrong with Nazis. Mm, I think these movies, these Indiana Jones movies are important. Uh, but all these things he's looking for in all these movies, they're all like mystical in nature. Yeah. You know, if he was going to look for like Hitler's diary, mm-hmm. might not be as cool. You know, right. Of course, we as human beings, you know, the unknown, the, the, uh, the word I'm looking for escapes me. The supernatural, the super. Well, maybe not so much supernatural, but just the. The unfamiliarity of concepts, the the greater than life, the bigger than the human brain concepts Uh of either supernatural stuff or religion or um, outer space or whatever, um, you know those things compared to a a book like Hitler's diary, Uh you know. Yeah, I I don't think I'd go see a movie about some guy trying to find hitler's diary but trying to find the ark of the covenant you know just they deal with these movies to me deal with with uh larger than life uh treasures Mm -hmm. that make it worth the trip you know what i mean
1: and it's it's things that that on the surface may seem kind of ordinary but just hold so much potential um that's especially true in the last two, in 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 uh, tomb and and uh, crusade. I mean, in crusade you're looking for a cup, in tomb you're looking for rocks. You know, yeah. in in this one it's an ornate piece of 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 uh, a chest. You know, but but it still has just so much potential, especially as
0: to what's in it or what's supposedly in it. But um, to put okay. to put the this took place in 1936. To put the the world in perspective as to what these characters were experiencing at the time mm-hmm. here's some things that happened in 1936 the green hornet radio show first was first heard on radio in detroit mm-hmm. hitler announces the manufacture of volkswagens <laughs> oddly enough gone with the wind was published uh the first real tv program which featured dancing and film on lo- a film on locomotives uh premiered the real tv program mm-hmm. like what we would consider a tro- program Uh, The Hoover Dam begins operation, Uh, was originally known as Boulder Dam, by the way. The first issue of Life magazine was published. Interestingly enough, when Indiana Jones gets on the plane to go to Nepal to find Marion at the Mm -hmm. beginning, the creepy German guy in the glasses was on the plane behind him. Mm -hmm. He's reading an issue of Life magazine. Mm -hmm. That was the second issue ever published. Wow. And that was published in November of, uh, November 30th. So we can assume that this movie takes place in December, about December ish Uh of 1936, you know, that, that may be nitpicking and, and Uh kind of zero in, maybe taking some of the fun out. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. They actually got, you know, some of the details Uh right. And then, uh. In thirty-seven, just as a side note, Amelia Er Earhart was lost over the Pacific, and the Hindenburg blows up. Oh wow! Yeah, so those are some of the things that are happening in history at this time. Okay. All right. Um. Any more? No.
1: Okay. Um, well, let's let's kind of dive into the character. I wanted to do this show just a little differently because in, in the other ones we kind of went, you know, blow, blow by bow, scene by scene. But let's kind of talk about elements of this show okay. or elements of, of this movie that make it so special. And you got to start off with the characters first. So you have Indiana Jones. Um, you know, when we first meet him in the movie. He is this, you know, there's a lot of low angles. We're looking up at him, and, and you don't even see his face up until maybe the first couple it's minutes He's very hidden it. in shadows. Very hidden in shadows. And you can partake from this. that He's a very brave individual, just especially with the scene with the spiders in his back. And, you know, that doesn't shake him and stuff like that. And he's smart, too, because he's not jumping into anything. He's calculating. He's thinking these things out. But then a few minutes later, he's beat by a French guy. And and he's on the ground, dirty. He just got run. You know, he had a wild uh, wild e coyote moment, and (laughs) and you know almost got run over by by a big boulder. And suddenly he's not this this perfect guy. He's a flawed individual. I mean, he's he's so much like Han Solo. You know, also played by the same character. He's just this this. The smart guy who's flawed, and even somewhere in the movie, he uses the line where they're trying to come up with with the plan, and he goes, you know, what do we do next? And he goes, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. And yeah. and you truly believe it. And this character is blessed by luck, because if you think about all the things that happened to him in this movie, it is by pure
0: luck that he gets out of them. Yeah, there is a lot of luck involved in this.
1: Yeah, and and you know is that because it's a blessed life? I don't know. I, you know, is it because he's he's inherently good? You know, he's he's not a you know, he's he's
0: not afraid of anything except for snakes and the fairer sex. <laughs> you know, he we the only reason I say this is because, you know, he starts off this music this movie real strong, the adventurer. Yes. Then we see him in the teacher role, you know, he's very knowledgeable. He's talking about what he's doing. He's mm-hmm. he's just Whatever he's talking about is just—he's just rolling off these facts and all this stuff. And then we see the shot of the girl close her eyes, and and she has "Love You" written on the the outside of her eyelids. And he stops halfway through what he's saying, and she closes her eyes again so he can read it. And it just throws him off—you know, totally throws him off. And then, of course, you know, we see him stumble a bit when Marion shows up Mm. and that kind of thing. But he is flawed, yes.
1: And and flawed in in not the best way. I mean, not the type of flaws that you can kind of go. Oh, I understand that. I mean, he obviously took advantage of a very young Marion. I mean, that that's,
0: that's yeah. You know insinuated what? I, never, in this. I never really got that until the last time I watched it. Yeah, I was that, watching this last night. It never really occurred to me. She said, "I was a young girl." Yeah, you know, um, I didn't know any better. <clears throat> Makes you wonder just just what the age difference is between these two. Right. As we as we know, as people grow up, age differences matter a lot less yeah. than they do you know when you're when you're uh, a lot younger. Like, yeah, like a 13-year-old and a 17-year-old, you know, that may be That's a big difference. Yeah, but that's 4 years. Yeah. But a 31-year-old and a 35-year-old, that's nothing. Right. You know, so So um,
1: you know, and 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 you know, Indy, I think he ha- his character is you know while he values knowledge, he values he values the prize, but the prize to him is is archaeological things. It's 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 not so much money as it is you know the the thrill of finding something or being the first to find it, and 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 he is you know he he has an ego. That, that, that gets bruised throughout this movie, too, and it's 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 because of the character Belloc that, that you know, brings him down a notch at times. And to where Indy, he's a character who is who is more hands-on. You know, he goes and gets the element. He goes and does the digging. He goes out and gets the statue. Belloc always has a team do yeah, that for him. Yeah, he's always got him.
0: somebody doing the dirty work for yes, him. Yes, yes. And it's either this team of Germans... Or it's Indiana Jones, you know. Mm-hmm. Indiana goes against the the golden idol at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then Belloc takes it from him, and he even says uh, later in the later in the movie when um, when Indiana is in the well mm-hmm. of souls, and then and then he comes down. Well, let's let's you listen think you to have that. Clip. Yeah, let's see right here. He 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 make he refers to the fact that you know you're doing all the dirty work, and you know nothing. There's nothing that you can get that I can't take from you or whatever. Here it is right here. Uh, I suppose I need to turn the volume up on this (laughs) one. Why, Dr. Jones, whatever are you doing in such a nasty place? Why don't you come on down here? I'll show you. Thank you, my friend, but I think we are all very comfortable up here. That's right, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Yes, we are very comfortable up here. So once
0: again, Jones... What was briefly yours is now mine. lot of fitting into your life's pursuits. They're about to become a permanent addition to this archaeological find. Who knows? In a thousand years even you may be
1: worth something. <laughs>
0: so, you know, he he's just rubbing it in his face. Yeah. Indiana Jones you, you know, do all the dirty work and I just take it from you.
1: And and if you think of even uh, how these two characters differ, I mean Indiana's always dirty. He he's always you know covered in dust and stuff. But Belloc, he's usually kind of dressed very nicely in a nice linen suit, nice hat and stuff. And it seems like they're always, you know, Bellick just wants what Indiana has. That's his goal. I mean, even going down to to Marion, he Bellick wanted Marion because Indiana Jones had had a relationship with her, and now I've got to have her too. I've got to have everything you have. And it, it, it's almost a sense of you kind of get the impression that there is uh, – there, like, Belloc, even with all of his education, even with all his refined taste and stuff, he's still not as good of an archaeologist as Indy
0: is. But he wants to be. But and he wants to be. There's a quote here from earlier. Right after they think, right think uh, Marion uh-huh. dies in that explosion, uh-huh. Indy's drinking at the bar or whatever, and Belloc comes up. He says you and I are very much alike. archaeology is our religion, yet we have both fallen from the pure faith. Our methods have not differed as much as you pretend. I am but a shadowy reflection of you. It would only take a nudge to make you like me to push you out of the light and Indiana says now you get nasty so but, but he, that's true yeah that,
1: that's a that's a true observation on on Bellic's part
0: he does he does see a a uh, common ground between the two of them mm-hmm and it's almost like he wants to be like Indiana Jones or you know at the same time he wants Indiana Jones to be like him you know like mm-hmm. you said to to only take a nudge to make you like me to push you out of the light
1: yeah and that nudge being um um you know g- going that extra unethical mile right. to i mean because bellic he is he is signed up with the nazis he is with the – this is an evil organization,
0: and there's, Indy would never do that. There's obviously a history between these two because Indiana Jones, you know, references – or, he, you know, when they mention Belloc, I mean, at the beginning, they just know each other, you yeah. know, when he's like, ah, there he is. Okay, here's the golden mm-hmm. idol, whatever. Um, I was <clears> – <throat> I, I wish we could have seen more of Belloc because I really think he was a really good bad guy. He was a good bad guy, and yeah, he got his just desserts in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, when his face blew up. But um, I would have liked to have seen him again, like in uh, the Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. It would have been neat to see him show up again. Uh, like, you know he he keeps taking a beating, but he's always trying to. You know, he's going to mm-hmm. try to come back and and beat Indiana Jones again. You know, the the bad guy in the third movie was okay. But there was something about Belloc that was...
1: was, Relatable.
0: Yeah, that was really... He was a bad guy that I liked Mm -hmm. to hate. Uh, As a side note, I recently saw the actor who plays Belloc Mm -hmm. in a uh, commercial for Farmer's Insurance. (laughs) You know, the the, the big red umbrella? Yeah, 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 yeah. The logo has a big red umbrella. The actor's name is Paul Freeman. I was... At a Starbucks uh, in a hotel, actually getting a coffee, and I looked up at the TV, and there's Belloc on the TV, and (laughs) he's carrying this big red umbrella around. You know, what else is he doing lately? But I just thought that was funny.
1: But But did he say anything like, So if you're hunting for great insurance rates,
0: (laughs) no, he didn't say, Don't
1: dig yourself in a hole. (laughs) No, it was nothing like that. Yeah, Um, yeah, there's so many elements that, that make this. This movie interesting. And one of them has to be the music by John Williams. I noticed
0: a lot of it was... It sounded really similar to to Star Wars. Okay. Um, in a lot of ways. Let's see. Empire Strikes Back was done in 1980. This movie was 1981. So he was in the middle of his Star Wars um, way of thinking when uh-huh. he was writing music. A lot of it was... You know, mood music. Like, I really didn't. In this movie, there really wasn't a lot of themes.
1: Well, I. Like, like, I disagree did you with pick you some? Know.
0: Did you pick some up? Dun, dun, dun,
1: dun, no, other dun. than the, the main title.
0: Uh-huh. But that's Indy's theme. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, but in Star Wars, Darth Vader had a theme. Luke mm-hmm. had a theme. Princess Leia had a theme.
1: Uh, I I think you know that's I mean? because we don't have reoccurring characters. Indiana Jones is is essentially the only reoccurring character who with, with this, uh, essentially Brody and Sala. and and Sala, or not Sala, uh What was his buddy's name? Uh, yeah, S- Sala. Um, Sala Sala. Yeah. But uh, Indiana Jones is the only reoccurring character in this movie. You know, all the the one thing all these movies have in common is that they have uh, a damsel in distress and there's an element involved and. And these are things that that you know do not carry over to the next movie,
0: you know. So, so uh, you know, I think the music did its job. It wasn't, it wasn't distracting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It did make some of the scenes, you know. It did heighten the tension, mm-hmm. you know. Like, like when he's in the Well of Souls with the the st- staff of Achman Ra, right? Uh-huh. Yes. He's got the headpiece, and he's watching the sun. Dun, 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 sun move, and the and the, the sun is moving on the the dun. map. Yeah, that b- music's building and building, and you can just you're just waiting and waiting. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say that about most movies. Most movies wouldn't feel the same if it wasn't for the music. But like we said about you know, his Star Wars music in the other episodes, all his music is perfect for whatever scene he's in. It's like he if I was going to make a movie i'd want john williams to score it oh yeah it's just perfect as far as i'm concerned
1: um i think the music holds a special place in my heart because i actually bought the album after i saw the movie i mean i had the soundtrack so i so when i watched the movie and the music comes up i remember that i just remember listening to the music and just imagining the scenes and just just being fascinated with it. I mean not just a
0: march, but just just that one scene you just talked about. That da 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 I had the cassette tape with the soundtrack on it. Uhhuh. And in nineteen eighty seven I was uh at my girlfriend's house uh uh-huh. driving my dad sixty eight Chevelle uh-huh. and I had the window rolled down and parked out in front of her house in a nice neighborhood I had a uh, cassette, like a tape cassette <laughs> yeah. holder, you know, with like 12 cassettes in it. Uh-huh. Gone. Somebody reached in and swiped it, took it. And in that was the cas- the tape cassette of the Raiders of the Lost Ark soundtrack. And I've never had it since. I've been looking for it online recently. Uh-huh. I can buy it for $85. The, the cassette? C- the CD. Oh, okay. They haven't re-released it. Well, they re-released it uh, maybe... Four or five years ago, uh-huh. um, but all those are out of print already, and they oh, like that. seventy-five bucks.
1: Hmm.
0: It's really, I really want this soundtrack, but I can't find it inexpensive anywhere. Well, with the movie coming out, maybe they'll re-release it or do. do I sure hope there. so, because yeah. when they released the Star Wars special edition movies, uh-huh. you know they re-released the soundtrack. Of course, they were special edition soundtracks. They are interestingly enough re-releasing all the Indiana Jones DVDs uh, this coming well by the time people hear this episode they will ha- they will have already been released there there uh it says in the ad this best buy ad i'm holding it says available for the first time on special edition dvds that wording is a little confusing because i owned the dvd box <laughs> set that they put out a couple years ago yeah they weren't exactly special edition dvds in fact, they were all one-disc versions. I don't think they really had any special features on them at all. So maybe no, that's, because there was
1: that third disc or that fourth. There was a disc.
0: fourth, like bonus disc that had mm. interviews and documentaries, and, and that stuff. was actually I've just seen that disc. It's that, very that's very cool. It's very cool. Very cool. So I'm, I'm going to get these mm-hmm. anyway. Um, at Best Buy, you can get a free comic book if you purchase one of the individual in- movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to get all three. I don't know if I'll get. They're they're offering a three movie collection. You know, you can buy them all at once. Okay. So, anyway, I just you I don't got know.
1: you got off on the DVD kick. Huh? Well, just, I'm just I'm
0: you know I'm been out of shape that they're re-releasing the DVDs when they released them uh, yeah, three the, years ago. Yeah, that's the studio. Why not deal. just re-release them as a special edition the first time? Because they won't make more money. I guess I'm okay. Never mind. Um, whatever.
1: Okay. Um, well, what about? The um let's talk about key scenes. Like some scenes that you just love. I mean, this movie has so many scenes that have been used in, in other movies, especially the uh the gold statue scene at the
0: beginning. What do you mean? Used pa- in other parodied movies? parodied oh, okay. in some way. Um We forgot to mention Doc Ock is in this movie. He is? Alfred Molina. <gasps> that's him at the beginning? Yeah, that's that's uh that's uh, Get, the throw me throw, the whip. Yeah. Let me let me play that. I did not realize that. Yeah, here he is right here. Give me the whip. Throw me the idol. No time to argue. Throw me the idol. I throw you the whip. Give me the whip. Adios, senor. That's Alfred Molina. No way. Dr. Octopus. Yeah. Wow. Pretty young, Alfred Molina. I did not know that. And you sent me uh, last night uh, picture. You're on
1: IM. You, you sent me a still from that. Yeah,
0: that's what's going to be on the website. You know, yeah. for our picture or whatever. Um, that's Alfred Molina. Oh wow, yeah, a young Alfred Molina. Good call. Um, also, this has arguably
1: one of the best endings to a movie. Uh, oh man. Probably, and this has been widely parodied. Parodied, you know, for everything from Family Guy to you know, uh, other stuff. But it's the just, warehouse. Yeah, the warehouse scene. I mean.
0: Will you play, boxing play, play. up boxing up the the arc uh-huh. in a in a just plain old nondescript box with a number, by the way, trivia. The number on the side of the box is nine nine zero six seven five three. So Top Secret. Yeah. When we when we see the new movie mm-hmm. I think in the trailer we've seen there's a you know, the warehouse with all there's these a boxes. Scene. I'm assuming it's the same warehouse where the arc is if we ever if the camera stops and focuses on a box that says top secret something 9906753 mm-hmm. that's the arc yes so i'm i'm hoping we'll see that you know like maybe he's walking by a box or something and he stops and looks at the box and then eh. whatever and then walks off you know
1: now i know that the box made or the arc made a somewhat of a cameo in the third movie when they were underneath that that European city, and there was all yeah. those hieroglyphics and stuff, yeah. did it make a, did it make an appearance or a reference in the uh, in the in second Temple movie? of Doom?
0: I don't believe so. Okay, I don't believe no. And I tell you why, because the Temple of Doom was a prequel. Right, it took place in nineteen thirty five. Yeah, which I never understood why he did that. Yeah,
1: well, well, you know, let, let's say that for for, yeah, for that one. But it,
0: that was kind of interesting as as to why they even I don't know do that anyway. Um. So yeah, it does show up two years later in. Uh, the Last Crusade. Are you sure that's the arc? Pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, so uh, just key scenes in the movies that that you
0: really just just. Well, of you. course, the the beginning where he's trying to get the idol and, mm-hmm. and Alfred Molina is sitting there watching and he's rubbing his fingers like, mm-hmm. oh, he's almost got it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and just, and, and God, there's, there's too many to list, man. They're all just fun.
1: Well, that, that one scene with Indy standing in front of the gold idol. Mm. And there's, there, there's so much that can be said about the character just in that one scene, because there is that one scene you see that he is, that Indy is a really smart guy. You know, I, I mean, first of all, you see this guy and you know, he's a rugged, he's full of machismo, the way We're he's dressed. About the the gold idol. The yeah. i talking about the yeah. gold idol. Then you see him thinking about the Golden Idol, and he realizes that there is a trap here he just hasn 't figured it out yet, mm-hmm. but, but there is and then there 's a cockiness in that he's he he knows what he has to do with this bag of sand, and so yeah. he's he 's you know letting some sand out he 's trying to figure it out he 's trying to make it you know he 's going to make this right, and up to this point everything he 's done is right
0: well, he had the bag with him, he knows like you said he knows there 's a trap yes. he's anticipating something mm mm-hmm. That's how smart he is. That's how knowledgeable he is about these types of things, you know, booby traps. And, you know, when – when I don't know Alfred Molina's character's name. When he goes, oh, there's nothing to fear here. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And he says, that's what scares me. Yeah. And he takes that that torch and he puts it out and he taps the ground and the dart comes out, Mm -hmm. hands it back to him. Like, see, I told you there was something here. So he takes his time walking. So, yeah, he's smart. He knows it's not as easy as it looks. He
1: knows. He just knows. And he – and when he you know he he's pouring out the sand, and then he does that move that's just smooth as silk, you know the exchange, yeah, and you see the cocky
0: smile he gets, he got it, he pulls it off with one hand and places the thing back on at the yes. same time yeah he's that relief, that look of relief mm-hmm. he gets up, he turns around, starts to walk away, and the the pedestal starts sinking with that mm-hmm. stone on stone I was like, oh boy, and that and that's when you realize that this character
1: isn't as perfect as we thought. He is or not as smart as we thought. I mean he is flawed. I mean for goodness sake, the world is falling apart around him and all he can do at this point is do everything everything he did right up to that point he's now doing wrong. He is now mm-hmm. running through a room that he essentially tiptoed through. He has to, you know, instead of using his whip to, to, to jump the cavern, he's now jumping by 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 you know by foot and and he's doing everything wrong you know and and we love him for that because he just he can't you know he he's an adventurer at heart you know no matter how much planning he does it still it still happens to fall apart on him and this is where all of his luck comes into play you know by the way he is a terrible (laughs) archaeologist Think about him in the scene in the Well of Souls. I mean, here's all this history and stuff and all these statues, and he's destroying stuff left and right just to Mm -hmm. get himself out.
0: Yeah. We're going through that wall over there. Yeah. It says here on Internet Movie Database that this was Alfred Molina's screen debut. Uh, But on Alfred Molina's page itself, uh, it actually has something else listed as his screen debut. But it was... Either way, it's either his first or second thing he ever did. Hmm. His first scene on his first day of filming involved being covered with tarantulas. <laughs> those are real bugs. Yes. Uh, not bugs, spiders. And that that's, was pretty creepy. That was one of the things that really creeped me out when I remember feeling, I mean, like, yuck, how can he do that?
1: And then, and then you make the transition from that and to him, the whole snake thing, him having a fear of snakes. And that's answered in later movies about why he doesn't like snakes. But I, but I came up with another theory about snakes. that. <laughs> why it have to be snakes?
0: Have to be snakes.
1: Um, and this this may be me, me focusing. Why
0: does the? Oh, it didn't take. It was a clip where he. Why does the floor move? Oh. <laughs> then he looks. Why does it have to be snakes? Yeah, we get to find out why in uh, the Last Crusade.
1: But pretty I, awesome. I think it. It and this may be me reading too deep into this, but Indy is a character who uh, who is good. He is essentially good. He he has a he has a good soul. He he always makes the right choice. Luck is on his side because he he is a good person, even though he may have some crazy way to do things. And snakes are you know they are a mythical symbol of things that are evil, right? And you know maybe that's why snakes. You know, Maybe that's why that's his flaw, because something that represents evil... It, or it, it,
0: it could be just the simple fact, like we find out in the third movie, that he falls into a big <laughs> box full of them uh-huh. as a child, and it freaks him out. It yeah. could be simple, as simple as that. It
1: could be as simple, but sometimes I like to dig deep and, yeah. and look into know. And look then, of
0: course, in the third movie, and we'll talk about the, the details of that later, but we find out how he gets the scar under his chin there's so many uh, attention to detail in these movies that just really you gotta love yeah just amazing gotta love Um, by the way the original name of the lead character in the script was Indiana Smith
1: oh my gosh what a
0: different he changed his name to Jones on the first day of production wow and the the line where he goes well I'll play it Uh, right here not the man I knew 10 years ago not the honey. Right. It's the mileage. It's not the years, honey, it's the mileage. Uh Harrison Ford ad libbed that that line. <laughs> uh Harrison Ford's
1: good at ad-libbing. Yeah, uh, he is. You know, and that scene that you just played has one of my favorite comical moments in the movie. Oh. Yeah, the mirror with scene. The mirror. <laughs> and the reason why I love that uh, scene is because uh, so Marion's looking in a in a in a two-sided mirror and she's looking at herself in a dress. And it's kind of foggy, and Indy's on the other side. Looking at himself. Looking at himself. And she decides to flip the mirror over, and he gets hit underneath the chin. And what, the reason why I love it is that you cut to the exterior of the ship, and all you hear is a muffled, yeah.
0: and you all know what happens. But I think you can hear the beginning of the scream mm-hmm. while the camera is still in the boat, just mm-hmm. a split second, <laughs> ah, really loud. Then it cuts to that outside. <laughs> Yeah, it's like way off in the distance. You can hear him, and that's and it, just that's good comedy. And timing. it cuts back to her, and she's like, "Did you say something?" <laughs> He's holding his chin. Yeah, there's he, some there's some really good comedy in the. Who wrote the screenplay for this? Uh,
1: Lucas and he had. You
0: could probably get to the notes better than I can. Writers George Lucas and Philip Kaufman. Yeah, Lawrence Kasdan wrote the screenplay. Right. So. by the way. Um, What's his name? Oh, is it listed? I'm looking for uh, Alfred Molina's character's name. Satipo. Satipo. Okay. Satipo. Adios Satipo. Um which uh,
1: in in the closed caption he says adios stupido. Does he? Yes. Maybe they
0: you know they get they kinda like, messed up. They get third world people to do that transcription and you know <laughs> they don't speak English, so maybe they just messed it up.
1: Um Okay.
0: Was that wrong? What? Of me to say just then. I was trying to be funny. Oh, that. no. It wasn't
1: Okay. Um, we talked about the ending. Oh, I wanted to talk about the... Uh, we, we, we left off on, on scenes that we liked. And one of my favorite scenes is the chalkboard scene that's early in the movie with the army intelligence. The reason why I like this is, and it was pointed out to me... You um, mean when
0: the guys come and, and tell them about... Yeah,
1: the arc <coughs> and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, usually... In, in screenplays and stuff like that, there's usually a scene that's referred to as the chalkboard scene, and, and that's meant to uh, to help the viewer know what story's going on, and usually it's two people talking, and you know, one person's ex- kind of explaining what's going on, and in this movie, they literally used a chalkboard to kind of explain, explain what the arc yeah. was and stuff like that, and... and and that was pointed out to me in phone calls. I'm like, oh my gosh! And that's kind of like uh, they were kind of making fun of themselves. Maybe a little they bit in that scene. In, in that scene, you know, using the literal chalkboard to to explain things out and stuff. But uh, I've always kind of kind of dug dug that. I always thought, oh look, he's actually going to be on a chalkboard and explain what's going on. I mean, there's a scene like that in Back to the Future too, where they talk about the timeline, right. how the timelines get crossed out and stuff like that.
0: It's another chalkboard scene. Did anything about this movie feel familiar to you? Any of the settings?
1: Well, no. I mean, I can remember when I was watching it as a kid, you know, I I can remember the first time going to go see it thinking it had something to do with Noah's Ark just based on the title. Uh, And maybe never quite quite grasping what the Ark was until years later, you know. I guess Uh
0: what I'm referring to is any of the uh, geographical locations, the physical locales that they were in. Did any of it look familiar to you? Did you Mm. recognize anything? No. All right. This scene here. Yes, blow it up. Blow it back to God. All your life has been spent in pursuit of archaeological relics. Inside the ark are treasures beyond your wildest aspirations. You want to see it open as well as I.
1: That's towards the end of the movie in a, in a cavern, in, in like a cavern area that I, I do remember thinking that that didn't seem right for that
0: island. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I'm getting at is um, that that scene uh-huh. was shot in the same canyon in Tunisia where they shot R2-D2 being, <laughs> being zapped and stolen by the Jawas. Really? Yeah, same, uh-huh. same location. And when I think about it, I go, "Oh yeah, that does actually look a little familiar." Mm. but I like that scene. That's another example of, of Belloc and in, in Indiana being similar. He's like, he said, "You want to see this as, as much as yeah. I do." He knows exactly how to play Indiana Jones. Yeah. He knows exactly what to say to get him to not blow it up. They are similar. they're like they're like the sentry in the void. Oh, look at you. Oh, okay. How was a, in a comic book reference. Yeah. Nice. We really won't go into detail, but... Um,
1: yeah, you know, this movie is filled with a lot of comical elements in it. We have a, a little monkey doing a, a How Hitler sign. Yeah, that's funny.
0: <laughs> and, of course, the German feels obligated to, to reciprocate, and he's like, wait a minute, that's a monkey. Do I really need to... Bad dates. <laughs> Bad dates.
1: We also have... Um, the the romantic scene, the kissing scene on the boat, which is which is actually, uh, oops. Who's calling you? My friend Larry. Is that your mom? No, my friend Larry. Sorry, and I always make it a point. I always tell Brad, turn your phone down, but... Well, it's a good thing we're actually not in the movie, or yeah. I'd be... Uh, wait, uh, hey, Larry? Hey, not much. We're actually recording my podcast right now. In fact, you're on it right now. So, uh... So how about I call you back in a bit? All right, bye. <laughs> I always tell Brad make sure your phone's turned down, and I didn't turn mine down. What would so. he say? Um, he was pro- he's probably wanted to. I think I think there's a sporting event tonight that that they probably all want to get together and watch. Oh wow. Anyway, I'm kind of embarrassed by that.
0: Don't uh, be, don't be. It's all you know. But
1: uh, there, there was the romance scene.
0: The um. Uh, with the kiss you where know. doesn't it hurt? yeah, <laughs> here he points at his elbow, yeah, this doesn't feel too bad, mm. yeah, you know as a as a kid, I'm watching that with my parents, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, why do we have to see kissing? <laughs> yeah, it make me uncomfortable, you know, yeah, and then I was recently watching this with with Ashley, uh-huh, you know, and I'm like, uh, eh, I wish I could just fast forward past this, but, you know, I wanna be the cool dad and not make a big deal out of it
1: well it it's fairly innocent, but it but, is you
0: know. it is but yeah
1: um how about the um um the car chase scene at that the car, end that was just which awesome. is probably one of just one of the best action scenes that exist uh because i mean here indy is doing all of his own stunts and stuff in fact i wrote this down i didn't want to forget this remember the dragging scene where he's being dragged by the whip uh behind the truck okay brad this is ignorance on my part uh, and this is going back to the early days of Half Hour Wasted. You're Half talking Wasted about meeting. not
0: under the car, but no. when he's got the whip and he's... He's being dragged. Yeah. So He actually w- bruised his ribs during that scene.
1: Really? Yeah. I wanted to recreate that scene. You dummy. So I tell the guys, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> Thinking, how hard could it be? And so I wore layers. And <laughs> so... We start to build up speed, Idiot. and I very quickly let go of the rope because it's hard, and I'm getting hurt. We try it another time. Again, I very quickly let go because this is obviously not working. So I lay on a piece of cardboard, and we do it, and it's hard for me to hold on to do it. So what we end up doing, <laughs> Brad, is we end up taping the scene, but we are going extremely slow. And and I'm holding on to it and I'm going, uh uh and there's obviously a big piece of cardboard behind me and the scene lasts like two seconds. But it's just How it's, come you couldn't do it with the cardboard? Um, it just hurt. It was just hard, Brad. <laughs> 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 and this is ignorance. It's like, well, they do it in the movies. It must be pretty easy. Anyway, one of these days, I'll dig out that Idiotic. video and I'll, sh- and I'll show you. I'd love you. to see that. Actually, I, I do. I'd actually pay money to see that. Yeah, I, I think you would get a kick out of it. Um, basically, on the on the level, not so much on the production
0: level, but on the lack of production or what we tried to do. I can't remember. I re- I read, or maybe it was in that bonus disc we were talking about, but uh-huh. they showed you know, some of the pre-pro for that, and I... um. That he had, like, tons of padding on, mm-hmm. obviously, underneath. And I think, I was thinking at one point he was actually on, like, a piece of something. Really? but But I don't think he was. When you look at that scene, you can tell he's actually being dragged. The whole, mm-hmm. thing, I'm, the whole thing I'm thinking of the whole time is, how come he's not getting any gravel in his pants? <laughs> yes! <laughs> you know, past the belt, and then that would mm-hmm. hurt. Obviously. But gosh, that scene! I mean, he gets punched. In, he gets shot in the arm, and then he gets punched
1: in that same arm. Mm-hmm. Golly! And he, you know, he's what I guess every boy wants to be. He he's the he's the macho adventurer that that kind of runs around and and saves the world. You know.
0: It says here, George Lucas did some second unit work on the film. I wonder what that means exactly. Like, Did uh, he actually? Do some directing, second yeah, unit maybe. Directing. I mean, you,
1: usually with, with the second unit, it's usually stuff like exterior shots. Like, you know, that one shot of when they're digging for the for the well of souls. That's and one Indies. of my favorite
0: shots. When Mine, the, too. When the In sun fact, is, I have that. When the sun is setting. Yes. And he takes his robe off. And he, they're silhouetted against the yeah. orange sky. He takes his robe, robe off and he puts the hat on. Yeah. And he walks over here and then he turns around and walks back. Like, I, that's a second unit thing. I love that scene. I that, grabbed a screenshot of that last night and I... I, I tried for some reason didn't work, but I wanted to put that as my my desktop. I love that scene. Yeah, but the whole time I'm watching that scene, I'm thinking if I can see him <laughs> taking that robe off, taking his disguise off, and I putting know. on the Indiana Jones hat, what makes him think Belloc might not look over there and see him I doing know. the same thing? Yeah, but it's cool. It's a it's a neat iconic, yeah, iconic thing to to look at. And then you know we we come
1: to the end of the movie or or towards the end where they finally open the ark, and then all that all that is in the ark comes out and it's it's kind of cool because we still don't know what it is I mean is it angels i mean it's it's obviously angels or or something because this is it's the wrath of God it's the wrath of God coming out and it's and you know in Indiana Jones, who's a man of science who's a man of history and stuff like that. You know, he he notices, he realizes very quickly that this is something that is beyond him. and And what does he tell Marion? He says,
0: "Close your eyes. Close your eyes, Marin. Whatever happens, don't look at it." Yeah. There's another quote that I was gonna. I
1: mean, can, up can, and look at.
0: So here's a man that that
1: that's based in science, but he realizes that there can be something else out there that he cannot fathom. So he's he has doubt. He has faith. In a way, even though he
0: won't admit it. When Brody comes to Indiana Jones house to -hmm. let him know that this has been green lighted, Mm -hmm. you know, Brody says, um, I mean, he says, Marion's at least your worries right now. Believe me, Indy. He says, what do you mean? Brody says, well, I mean that for nearly 3000 years, the man 3000 years man has been searching for the lost ark. It's not something to be taken lightly. No one knows its secrets. It's like nothing you've ever gone after before. So Indiana starts laughing and says, oh, Marcus, what are you trying to do, scare me? You sound like my mother. We've known each other for a long time. I don't believe in magic, a lot of superstitious hocus pocus, which made me think of Han Solo. <laughs> you know, a lot of things. Exactly. Yeah. He says, I'm going after a find of incredible historical significance. You're talking about the boogeyman. So even though he puts up that front, you know, he's still, there's still part of him that's still open to the idea yeah. that this may actually be really be legit. So I'm just not going to look at it just in yeah, case. You know. I thought that was funny that both Indiana Jones and Han Solo were like, I don't believe in that nonsense. And, and, and they're essentially the same character too. They are, you know, which is what Mike pointed out back mm. when we did the, uh, the return of the Jedi episode. Yeah. And having watched this movie really, it does lend some credence to what he was saying because, like I said earlier, Empire Strikes Back was 1980. He was still Han Solo at that point. Yeah. Then he did Raiders in 81. Mm-hmm. He did Blade Runner in 82. Then he did Return of the Jedi in 83. Well, by the, and then shortly after that, Temple of Doom in 84. And those were release dates. You know, who knows when they shot him? Yeah. And I didn't look up that information, but, you know, he he definitely was in the... Indiana Jones frame of mind. Mm -hmm. He had just come off Indiana Jones when he went back to the same type of character in Return of the Jedi. So a little bit of Indiana was still in there, you know.
1: And I I think it's – I've heard Harrison Ford refer to he does not think much of the – of the Han Solo character, right. he thinks that, and it is a smaller role too. I mean, it, it's 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 not it's not a main role. So you can see how he he you know he he just thinks of him as very kind of not as deep as the Indiana Jones. I mean, in Indiana Jones, you can argue is essentially just a Han Solo movie. I mean, it, it's you know it it he he carries a lot of the same type of characteristics. Makes me wonder you
0: know. if because they are so similar. Obviously he has he has an affinity for the Indiana Jones character because mm-hmm. we're getting another movie. Makes me wonder if Han Solo was the main character in the Star Wars movies, would we have gotten another Han so- uh, Star Wars movie down the line, starring Han Solo as you know?
1: No. Yeah.
0: I don't know, <clears throat> but we all, we've discussed the the deal, but be- behind you know him wanting Han Solo to, to die and yeah. all that stuff, so.
1: Okay, Brad. Well, you wanna uh, you wanna do rankings like where this out of the three movies where this fits for you?
0: It's definitely the top. Definitely the top. Yeah, I mean, it, it's
1: kind of hard hard to argue. For years, I don't think it's
0: hard to argue at all. I mean, this is definitely top notch. Yeah, and when the with, the with the Indiana Jones movies, it's top notch. Um, I enjoyed the third movie, not as not as much as this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen Temple of Doom a handful of times. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm actually looking, not looking forward to watching it again when really? we review it. It's not. It doesn't do much for me.
1: You know, what? It, it's funny, Brad. I went through a period of time to after I saw Temple of Doom, and we'll get into this earlier. But I thought it was better than this one. Mm. And but that was a long time ago, and I do need to resee it, and,
0: and you know, focus my opinions. Having uh, having been. Accustomed to the way movies are rated nowadays. Mm -hmm. Mm PG-13. This was rated PG back in 1981 because the PG-13 rating did not exist. That came into being halfway Mm -hmm. through 1984. Um, This movie obviously would have been rated PG-13 had it been released nowadays. Um, Because there's intense movie, you know... Peril and Mm -hmm. science fiction peril and, uh, the GD word happens at least twice. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that that GD word so much would have caused it to be a 13, but I think taken in context with everything Mm -hmm. that this probably would have been a PG 13. Yeah. I I could see what you mean. See, see, see what you mean by that. But, um, here's some background on the PG 13 rating Mm -hmm. just real quick. I'll make it, um, I'll make it quick. Uh, In 1984, explicit violence in the PG-rated films Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom and Gremlins were the quote-unquote straws that broke the parents' backs. Their complaints led Hollywood figure Steven Spielberg, director of Temple of Doom, to to suggest a new rating, PG-14. Instead, on July 1, 1984, uh, they introduced the PG-13 rating. So, obviously... You know, Temple of Doom had something to do with it.
1: Yeah, and when we get to that, we'll we'll talk about it because there, there are some pretty intense, scary scenes in it.
0: But I, I still think, after watching it last night, that probably... Oh, and also, uh, Indiana Jones uh, says, holy S-H-I-T in this mm-hmm. movie, too. Yeah, under his does. breath. Yeah. And he says, son of a bitch. Under his breath. So I'm thinking, taken in context as a whole, it probably would get a PG-13 nowadays. Okay. Don't you think? Uh, God, Brad, it's, so hard. It,
1: it's hard for me to, to say that because I'm not on the same plane as you are being a parent. You know, I'm, I guess I'm a, a lot single guy. That has guy. to do with me being a parent. Yeah, and and I just don't pick up on on that as as much as you do. I mean, sometimes I see things that are kind of you know like, oh, that's kind of weird, but mm, you know, I, I'm just I'm I'm not as in tune as you are to certain certain things.
0: I have a couple of more sound bites here. Where is it? Maybe I already played it. Of course, you know, we get this. Trust me. Him saying trust me to Marion, <laughs> you know, that's when yeah. he's in the in the saloon at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Trust me. I think I've gone through, actually. I thought I had more soundbites. Uh, did I play this one already? The situation is totally unacceptable. Well, gentlemen, I guess that just about yes. wraps it up. Where is the
1: arc? will keep playing it. This will be a good way to wrap it up.
0: I thought we'd settle that. The Ark is somewhere very safe. From whom? The Ark is a source of unspeakable power, and it has to be researched. And it will be, I assure you, Dr. Brody, Dr. Jones. We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. I don't think we actually played that in the show. We talked about it. We okay. played it before the show, but you could tell he. he he cares a lot about the artifacts. Right. He knows it's dangerous. He wants it to be taken care of. And he even says at the, at the end on the steps, it's like those fools, mm-hmm. they don't know what they're dealing with there. You know, he's worried that he saw it firsthand. Yeah. He, he, I guess technically he didn't see it, but he experienced firsthand what would happen, you know, if this wasn't, this item wasn't treated with respect. So. Yeah. I like this movie. It's it's, Definitely one of my favorite. Definitely up there top 10. You know, I I, uh, I don't think I, I'd ever get tired of watching this
1: movie. How can you? It's just because I think mostly it it's a time before special effects became what they are now and to where they're, they're all CG oriented. I mean, Harrison Ford is doing a lot of his own stunts in this. And, you know, when you see a guy, you know, falling out of a truck or being dragged by a truck or, you know, jumping around, that's, that's real. I think that's why I like the um the latest Casino Royale movie, uh the James Bond movie mm-hmm. is that a lot of the stunts that are done in those movies are just real stunts. Mm-hmm. I mean and, and stuff like that takes a lot of time to coordinate and stuff to where in the CG world while it can be fascinating there's something that you get removed from. It's it's not as impress- impressive. I mean it's like what well, I mean, you know, look at the Spider-Man movies. You know when you have the CG Spider-Man flying around New York that's great but when you actually see the real Spider-Man you know especially in that first movie you know running through a New York City crowd scene and, and Green Goblins going after him that's like that's that's real you can grasp onto that and that's really a guy in a suit and stuff and, and you know this is just old fashioned
0: movie making I think Steven's approaching the new movie with that same I hope so that there's obviously and we've seen it in the trailer, there's obviously like those big sets with those big moving stones yeah. and the th- ground yeah. sinking and yeah. there's obviously some CG uh in it, but
1: As long as it's Indiana Jones jumping over a cavern, I'm fine.
0: He wants to make it he wants to make it feel like the old ones felt. Yeah. You know. And they'd have to it would have to feel like those old movies in order to work, I think. Mm-hmm. If you go in expecting, like, you know, with with the Star Wars movies, went in expecting one thing, we got something different. Mm-hmm. Or the second Matrix movie, you know, while I liked it, I went in expecting one thing and got something else. Yeah. You know, it puts some people off. If this movie doesn't feel like the old movies, it's going to put a lot of people off. Yeah. And you know, we're already hearing a bunch of a bunch of uh, fans you know express their their concerns and stuff like that but
1: well you know you can't put put any weight in, in speculation because we don't know Mm-mm. you know and and this is what the blogosphere and stuff is all that people love to speculate and love to make it negative and 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 you know let's just be pleasantly surprised
0: i'm sure there's lots more we could have said about this first movie um we didn't even talk about the creepy guy with the glasses, the German guy. You know, pr- probably one of the neatest
1: revelations in the movie is is the whole time they're trying to figure out how they figured out how long the staff was. Right. And then when he does the how Hitler scene. Yeah.
0: And he had he the, read, oh my god. was burned in. Yeah. Of course, he didn't have the other side, which is yeah. which is you know take this much away out of respect for whoever, mm-hmm. or whatever. And you can see in India in the in the Well of Souls, he's going up the amount and then he comes back down a short amount, Mm -hmm. you know, compensating for the other side of that headpiece. Just well done movie. I I really don't have any complaints about this movie at all. I can't think of any
1: great villain, great story, great artifact, just great resolution. And it it really leads me to, to wonder if they, well, if they wanted to do a franchise
0: at all, you know,
1: were we just going to do a one-off popcorn movie, or were
0: I think back then St- Spielberg and and Lucas were smart enough to to know this may be the only shot we get at this type of movie, so let's do a one and done.
1: Well, I I'd, I'd argue the other way cause, because uh you know uh Luke uh, Spiel, um you know Lucas is you know the golden child at this point, and he's you know Star Wars is a franchise, and, and that's we true, know, and so. You know, were they going to, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, maybe they, they, they test marketed and found out that, that maybe on the first run, something called Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark was too confusing for people. So they just called it Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: What was um, technically what was Lucas's, he was executive producer on this movie.
1: And, and you know, th- th- this was his child. I mean, this was a concept he came up with. So, I mean, it, and and it's not based on anything new but it was bringing something alive it's bringing something back that was a lot that, that you know an old style form of s- storytelling you know swashbuckling you know cliffhanger after cliffhanger after you know fight scene after fight scene you know for every one thing that indie does right in in the story you know three things go wrong i mean just think about that fight scene with the german wing plane uh uh you know when he's fighting that big guy i mean yeah. just everything is going wrong and he should you, but somehow he manages to get out of it and,
0: and you totally and, could chop this movie up into short segments mm-hmm. and show them like once a week you know what yeah, i mean totally could because they end. there's lots of lots of there are several places where you could stop the action and it would be a cliffhanger mm-hmm. and then you start that next thing yeah. next week just a great – this movie was, by the way, nominated for several awards. It won for Best Art Direction, uh, Best Effects, Visual Effects, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound. It was nominated for Best Cinematography, Best Director, Best Music Original Score, and Best Picture. Did it win? It didn't win those, but it, it did win the first four, Art Direction, Best Effects, Film Editing, and Sound. And uh, Ben Burt, which we've talked about before right. – and Ben Burt and Richard L. Anderson won the Special Achievement Award for sound effects editing. Okay, It shows. I mean, it's yeah. just, it sounds amazing. Yeah, I, that Wilhelm scream. I heard the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> Good. Ah. It was definitely in there last night. All right. Well, I am not looking forward to the next movie. Well, we got to do it. So
1: it'll be fun. I guess so. Next, next movie we'll do is Temple of Doom, and we'll try to be more timely with these. Yeah, we'll try. Uh, to we definitely want to come out. I don't think we're going to make the release date of Crystal Skull, but we'll be. A couple we'll definitely weeks do off. an episode on it. Yeah, but it'll
0: it'll happen a couple weeks later. We want to let people. Also, this is a good way to let people see it, mm-hmm. and not have to skip an episode of our show, so they don't sp- get oh, spoiled. Good. by Okay, it, we'll go what with I mean? that. <laughs> yeah, that's, we'll go with that, Brad. We planned it that way. Yeah,
1: there you go. All right. So uh, be sure to let us know how you feel on the forums or voicemails and stuff like that. You can visit us at thecomicforums.com or um, drop us an email, and we'll probably read it on the next Indiana Jones show. Yeah, let us know And, what uh, Brad,
0: what's our voice number? Leave us a voicemail at 641-715-3900, uh, extension 7750064-pound. Um, give us comments about this particular episode you know we decided to try to approach the subject in a little different way yeah please let us know if we were all over the board or if it worked for you yeah thank you brad yeah let us know because i'm not so
1: sure i'm
0: not so sure about every episode we mm-hmm. do so anyway uh thank
1: you limp biscuit and we'll see you next week on a half hour wasted
0: all right